Hello friends and welcome to a rare Friday edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. I'm your host Mark Heath and with me are my three fellow kings who I shall introduce in no particular order. I'm going to start with Rossi, the prospect halls. I've just seen you Rossi, it's early Friday morning, I've just seen you supping on some orange juice. I assume it's orange juice. It's not orange juice, what is it? Can you can you reveal? It's mango. Oh, Fresh. yeah. I'm making smoothies now, I'm trying to keep my body all, you know ready for the summer um you, so i'm having a lot of smoothies new year new year you've got your mango juice yeah. in, a, in an ipswich town cup which is nice lovely yes. little touch yeah moving to your left my right wearing a, a lovely little shade of pink is it stewie that jumper very nice indeed we've had this debate before haven't we i i don't know call it what you like i'll call it very nice and it suits you sir Ooh. <laughs> And and above you, uh, in no way indicative of his, his his kind of ranking in this in this chat, is Andy the Hutch Man Hutch Hogan Warren. Andy, you're officially off today, but you very kindly decided to join us this morning. It's very good of you. How are you? Isn't that good of me? Yeah, I'm all right. Hero. I'm a, yeah, absolute warrior of a man. Uh, <laughs> talk about football for an hour. Yep, well up for that. Um, this is salmon, by the way. If you're asking. Is it? Yeah, cheap salmon. My jumper. Look, yeah, it looks, it's like... great, it looks looks great to me. Yeah. Ah, no, no, no. It's salmon. I Salmon's... have seen that in the flesh, and he is correct. But you would never guess that from no from this. Look, looks like bad salmon on this in this light. Yeah. Well, cheap. The cheaper end of the salmon. <laughs> salmon is quite light, isn't it? And then then the dark the the darker the salmon, the richer the fish. And then exactly. Um. Yeah. Nigel G would tell you. He knows. And there you go. I never thought we'd, we'd start that as an intro today. The darker the salmon, the richer the fish. But here we are. It's Kings of Anger on Friday. Um, <laughs> we're recording on Friday today, and it may be something that happens more often going forward because Town have shifted their press conferences back to Thursday now with, with K Money in charge. K Mac likes to do it on a Thursday. Um, so Stewie and, and Hutchie were involved in that yesterday. I wasn't around. So, boys, last time we spoke, it was a slightly delirious end um, early Tuesday morning to our transfer deadline day chat there's much talk about stretching fingers and it all kind of deteriorated and uh, we brought an end to it yesterday Stuart, you got a chance to speak to kieran mckenna for the first time since the window slammed shut there are various things you spoke to him about do you want to bring us up to speed and we can start chatting about some of those in various order uh yeah uh k money explained why he didn't spend <laughs> any money in the transfer window um it was what two fresh faces in, if we're not including Walton, who was already in the building, Bon as well, and nine out. So he's trimmed the squad accordingly down to 22, 23 senior players, depending on whether you're including the likes of Tyree Simpson, and just says that he thinks that's a far better number of players to work with. He's very big on making sure everybody feels involved and feels like they've got a, a chance to be involved. So that was his thinking behind that explain that Jay Matete, who there was a fair bit of noise around leading up to the deadline, uh, was a player that the club spoke about but didn't move on. Ultimately felt, look, with Backinson in the building and Morsi to come back from suspension, Evans hopefully fit again fairly soon, that that, that was an area of the, the team that, that they were well, well covered in. And um, ultimately the summer is in mind as well you know he didn't want to make rash hasty decisions to go chasing short-term games that kind of then leaves you tied up in knots in the summer and unable to 
to do things that you you want to do then with and, it, and it's a better window to do business in the summer isn't it so that mm. was his summary of the uh the january transfer window okay and in terms of things that came out i mean we broke them down you did stories yesterday i guess the, the talking points are much as they were on monday scott fraser uh, first time he's kind of talked about that and tyree simpson um, you mentioned Matete there. Um, should we start just out of uh, something a bit different because we did Fraser in depth and started with that on Monday. Should we start with Tyree Simpson, Stewie, and what he said about the young striker? Yeah, I, I sort of put it to him that ultimately you must be a little bit sort of disappointed that he won't be able to play first team football during the, the second half of the season. And he sort of said, well, it's not impossible that he features for us. I would argue that that's those chances are slim when you look at the attacking options with with Bourne, Norwood, Piggott, Jackson all staying. And then you've got, even in a front three, Chaplin and Selina and Aluko sort of capable of playing there as well. Hmm. But as said, you know, he's, he's back in the building. We get a chance to take a, a proper look at him and, and hopefully this contract situation gets resolved because he's a player that we, we like for the, for the future. But clearly the, the, the plan was to, to recall him get him to sign that contract and then send him back out on loan. But they've reached a bit of a deadlock in those negotiations. I can kind of see it from from both sides that I think Tyree Simpson is probably, I would imagine, sort of judging himself against uh, peers within the Ipswich Town Academy, the likes of Dobber and others, and they'll all know what each other are earning mm. through, through agents and whatnot. And I'm sure he's probably thinking, well, I've done more in my loan spell than others have. I should be on parity. And the club are probably thinking, well, you know, we've given you your platform in your career to to kick on. And, you know, yes, you've done very well, but it's six months progress. And I think they're trying to get a bit more of a um, set structure to the contracts that go out to, to these younger players. So that's that, that's the Mexican standoff there. And, and I hope that it hasn't left relations too soured between all parties and, and it gets resolved and that Tyree Simpson's development ultimately isn't isn't held back by uh, not not sort of playing week in, week out over these next few weeks. So that's mm. the situation there. Hutchie, what's your take on the, on the Tyree situation? Because wherever you look at it, it's a bad look, isn't it? That we've got a, a talented young player who was just ripping things up in League Two, really getting valuable experience, enjoying some success in terms of scoring for the first time senior level in his career. And now he's back at town. McKenna is talking about him playing for the under-23s, which we all know is not real proper football, as they say. Um, and so Tyrese is losing out and the club are as well because he's not getting that experience into him. What, what do you make of it all? Mm, yeah, that, the, the academy is, is there for players to develop, isn't it? And part of that development is going out on loan and playing and becoming a man, mm. learning to live alone and and um, and progressing as a, in senior football. And for that to be for that to be kind of shut shut on him at, at such a point is is a shame. Um, mm. Obviously, the club the club have to get the contract situation right. It's it's something they do have to get right. Whether that really needed him to be recalled from loan to able to do that, we don't know. We don't know the inner workings of it, and I'm sure there are some some ups and downs within the academy in terms of contracts and things like that. Obviously, we saw Liam Gibbs leave the club in the summer um, under a contract situation where he was offered something he thought he was worth more. Um, it didn't didn't happen, and he was sold. He was sold to Norwich. Um, it's it is a shame because because. He was developing really. He was developing really nicely. By all accounts, he has improved so much, hmm. so so much in those 
in those six months um, from a player who has undoubted physical ability. We've all seen that, it, but the technical side of things needed work. And by all accounts, that work's happened. Um, what his season looks like from here, I don't know, because as, as Stu said, that there's four central strikers there. We're already talking, McKenna's already talking about how Piggott and Jackson will get their chance at some point. You can't add a fifth one into the mix there with Norwood and Bon and still and still dish dish things out fairly. Um, mm. I'm sure he'll make bent benches at times, Tyrese, but th- there is every chance this season in terms of his football, his tw- 23's football from now on, and um, that is a shame. Um, but but first and foremost, the contract needs to be sort needs to be sorted out because because at, at present it expires in the summer, so mm. um, there is an option in there. I, I'm almost certain of that, but. Um, it needs to be sorted, and really, it probably needed to be sorted before he went out on loan, didn't it? That's that's the tidy, clean way. Of yeah, doing I've, but... I've seen people say that, but then you don't, know, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. No one knew that he was going to go out and be as good as he was. What if you mm. committed to sorting a a better contract last summer, and then you think actually six months in, he might have done nothing for Swindon, and you think, oh, you know, I wish we hadn't jumped so quickly into that. So. That's the counter argument there, isn't it? Ipswich still have got this 12-month extension option on him that they can take. But, um, yeah, I don't know how this one pans out, really, because, you know, they'll take that to protect their asset. But if he, if it's left a bit of a sour taste in his mouth and he ends up sort of seeing out this season in the under-23s, what, what's his value in the summer? Swindon probably won't hesitate to come back in for him. Um Really intrigued to see how this one this one pans out. As I say, I can kind of see it from both parties' point of view, but it, it shouldn't ultimately have come to a point where Ipswich kind of brought him back on the twenty eighth of January to try and force the issue. I'm not I'm not yeah. sure that, that that's like you say, a great look, let's be honest. That's what sits uncomfortably, isn't it? And you talk about him being an asset. Now that he's back at the club and not playing, that asset is going to deteriorate. Um in terms of value, you'd think. Rossi, what's your take on Tyrese? You you had a really nice chat with um, a guy down in Radio Wiltshire, didn't you, about how much he's, he has improved, like Hutchie touched on. And he said he has improved massively since he's been at Swindon. Uh, and now, back at town, all that kind of for nothing. Yeah, well, it's, you know, good experience for him, of course, at that six months. But, um, yeah, it's a bit of a mess. And, you know, in the summer, he's probably one of those players for, oh, go out on loan, get some experience, and probably may not have a future at the club. But, He's done all right. Um, in the long term, I don't know if he is going to be the standard that we need, a striker that we need in the future. I know he's still young. He's still mm. raw. But I don't know. I think maybe he has found his level, in my opinion. And that's a bit harsh. You know, he's still very young. But he's still got a lot of work in the game. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a mess. I think, yeah, once again, as Stu said, it's a bit, you know, hindsight thing. If we knew he was going to do so well at Swindon, we would have gave him a new contract in the summer. And, you mm. know... We had this mess. I'm sure he would have just stayed at Swindon for the rest of the rest of the season, or we may have looked for a League One club to him to go out on loan to. But uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. It, it happens in football, and yeah, it's a shame he's going to be playing on a 23s football. I don't think it's a complete a complete waste. Obviously, much better to be playing at Swindon or elsewhere. But he will come back, and he is training with the first team. He's not. He's not going to be sort of training with with the young players, he'll be training with the senior players and under McKenna and Martin Pert, which, which by the sounds of things is a good, good standard of training, mm. training with better players every day, working mm. with better strikers. So there, there is, there is some, 
there are some positives to him being being back here. If if he's improved technically, come back here and kind of hone it a little bit with with better yeah. training. But there's a reason these players go out on loan, aren't there? Aren't there? And that's to that's to be right in it to be playing for three points every week and um and and become a man that way. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it is a shame. And there's a, and there's also the fact that he's going to be working with Kieran Dyer in the under twenty threes, who the players seem to have been responding really well to. James Norwood has obviously spoken very warmly about sort of his his role. So you know he's going into a, into a an under twenty three setup that's pushing for finishing in the playoffs again. So um, I know we sort of say that twenty threes football is not the same, and it's not as as men's football. You know, it's not a complete waste, hopefully, these, these next six months if he's kind of dipping in and out of the 23s. And the other thing I'd say is that when people sort of go, oh, just, just give him the contract. You know, I think people, we, we get very caught up in transfer fees in football, but we forget about how much wages are worth, even if we're talking to pluck a figure out of thin air, two grand a week for Tyree Simpson, if that's what, you know, just, just give him that and then get him sorted or whatever. You, that's still what, 100 grand a year contract over a two and a half year contract, which is probably what you'd be talking about at this juncture. That's that's still quarter of a million pounds. So you've got to weigh that up. The club will be thinking, is he going to, are we going to be able to get that? Is he going to be worth 250k plus at some stage for us? And do we see him realistically be, being better than the sort of strikers that we can now attract to the club with the, with the transfer budget that we now have with the new owners? So um, it's not always as simple as, as mm. people people think yeah I know, I know you've just plucked that number out of nowhere Stu but if you're talking 250k as a transfer fee that that's kind of top half league one territory for selling isn't it because you're not finding many league two clubs I don't think that are paying 250 grand for a striker so he's going to have to improve beyond just to use those numbers you've you've generated from your from your wonderful brain um just to use those numbers he's gonna have to improve even beyond kind of Swindon level Tyree Simpson to be to be worth yeah. that, isn't he? So that, yeah, that's obviously got to be something that's that's considered. Mm. Okay, interesting chat. Let's hope it all gets resolved soon. Is there any circumstance in which you can see Tyrese playing? Is there any argument for for getting him involved? I think if the season peters away and there's a, there's a chance that happens over the next yeah. few weeks, fingers crossed, it's not the case. But I think if there's a stage where playoffs is dead, then maybe you start to sort of look 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 to him. To get a few uh, a few minutes in that scenario, but he, he won't be involved over these next few weeks. That's for sure. Mm. McKenna's already said he'll, he'll go into the twenty threes mm. for the short term, at the least. I could maybe argue that if um, if James Norwood picked up an injury, or if McCauley Bond mm. picked up an injury, kind of sty- obviously that moves him up the pecking order. But but stylistically, um, that bit of physicality you know, he might jump up kind of the, the substitute pecking order in, in that sense, because yes, Joe Piggott brings a level of physicality, definitely. And, and clearly he's a, he's a good finisher who scored goals at this level, but he doesn't, from what I've seen anyway, bring the energy. And I think Simpson could maybe bring sort of a physical energy from the bench if one of Bonn or Norwood weren't weren't available. Um, obviously, Jackson is, is similar. He, he can run. He's very, very fast runs. We've seen him brought on to bring energy, but he doesn't bring the physicality. So maybe, maybe, maybe there's a scenario where one of those two frontline strikers go down and aren't aren't in the mix that he could be um, could be looked at from the bench. But I think there's a fair old road to go down before we get to get to that point. I'm afraid. Rossi's saying, "Play him now. The season's dead." 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, Stewie, let's move on. The main talking point on Monday's show was Scott Fraser when you got to speak to uh, to K Mac about Scott yesterday. Um, what do you have to say about that? And uh, let's have a little chat about it, shall we? Well, we speculated on the KOA late night lock deadline day special lock in. Thank you. <laughs> I was searching for some alliteration there. Um, that. Scott Fraser potentially sort of pushing for this move and being unhappy might, might have been a part of it. And uh, that has now been cleared up uh, emphatically from Mr McKenna, who says that he was desperate to leave. Um, he hadn't settled personally or footballing-wise. Um, and he wanted to go somewhere and be, uh, quote-unquote, the main man. So um, I think that, that sort of... Uh, might we talked about that being a de decisive, uh, sorry, a divisive transfer amongst Ipswich Town fans? I think maybe some maybe understanding that one a little bit more now they now they've heard those comments. Hmm. And, and reading what Steve Gallen had to say, um, Charlton's director of football, they they've been after Fraser for two years, and the way they've talked about him is he is going to be a key part of that puzzle. Uh, if he wants to be the main man somewhere, it sounds like he's he's going to be that at Charlton, Hutchie. Yeah, that's what we were saying on Monday, weren't we? I, 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 I look at Charlton and the way they set up. And I, as I said before, I see Johnny Jackson, that he, he, the manager, that in terms of the way that those two played. They play a central midfield three. And as much as we talk about Scott Fraser being a number 10 and a central attacker, he can play there. But much so much of what he's done in the past has come off the left of kind of a a midfield three where he can roll, roll out in kind of American football speak, he can kind of roll out of the pocket and um and then attack from there he fits the puzzle perfectly at charlton he didn't fit the puzzle at ipswich um and they've put the piece back in the back in the right box it seems to me it, it's, I, I was happy i was happy with it on mon on monday i was quite content with the deal that they did on monday and then and then just hearing mckenna explain it quite so clearly and plainly um i think they've done exactly the right thing for everybody in in, yeah. in this situation but I do think he could go to Charlton and do very well so I think we're going to be having we're not going to be this isn't the last time we'll discuss Scott Fraser and the merits of whether uh, whether he should have been allowed to move on or not Rossi you were very much in the kind of this is going to bite us on the butt camp on Monday um, hearing that he wasn't happy at town though uh, and hadn't settled and wanted to move on that's got to change your opinion hasn't it I mean if, if you've got a player who's not happy uh, and you have a chance to at least make your money back on him and move him on. That's 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 the right thing to do, isn't it, or not? Yeah, so that's Scott. Who, who's Scott Fraser? Uh, Ron Fraser. Um, I still think, you know, it's, it's a shame it hasn't worked out. But, yeah, he's unhappy. Um, and as Andy very well said, he, has, he is uh, going to fit that puzzle at Cholton, um, that piece that they needed in, that, in that, that midfield. And for us, he just doesn't fit, unfortunately. Mm. Um, I still think it could bite us in the bite in the long term, but... We've got other players who can fit that now, but yeah, just it's a shame it hasn't worked out. But yeah, so that's got. He just mm. hasn't. He hasn't as as much as a, I, I do think it is a shame because clearly he's a really good football player. But he hasn't, while accepting he's been played out of position, he hasn't shown enough to to merit the team being built for him. Yeah, um, and, and a role made for him. Um, so I, I think some of it has to be. A, on on Scott himself, yes, he he wasn't he was played wide on the left. He he was played on the right. He, we didn't see him in his favoured roles, but when he did play there, he he was still able to have the football and was still able to 
to do some things and he, he didn't show enough to, to build a, a team around him and make him the main man. Um, there's no question that he should have been the main man at Ipswich Town. Of course he shouldn't. There, there are too many leading men here to, to have mm. a have a have that and and he didn't put himself didn't put his hand up to be to be that main man. So I, I, I really think all in all the right call um for everyone. My one my one slight reservation is that we're talking about having plenty of players that can play in that position, but Selena's loan expires in the summer. Sonia Luco soon to be 33, 34, I think 33. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Is um Ross is checking. Uh he's out of contract in the <coughs> summer. The the midfield options are obviously Atkinson's loan will be out and um Carroll's contract is up. So oh, we got that six fingers, Ross. It's free free. <laughs> Uh, okay, he's thirty-three. He's thirty-three. Okay, so uh, yeah, uh, sort of. We talk about sort of planning for the medium term. Doors mm. could have opened for him in the summer, but he clearly was. Uh, it was, as I said, it was heading down a certain pathway. A direction of travel was set, and sometimes you just have to uh, accept that. But um, yeah, there'll be there'll be business that needs to be done in the summer in in multiple positions. That's for sure. Mm. 33 obviously means that he's well over Rossi's cut-off point. Out the door, Aluko. Useless. Old man. Get rid. Um, Stewie, is there anything else to talk about from the press conference? I'd like to know, actually. Um, in terms of press conferences, you're a veteran of many press conferences over the years. How how are they running with, with, with Kieran? Are, are they any different? Do you feel like you're getting more out of Kieran than you maybe are from other managers? Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah. The, the, the runtime is is longer we're getting sort of half an hour plus um which by sort of comparison i guess to sort of paul cook ones were sort of 20 minutes and you you got the feeling that paul was sort of half out of his seat and trying to edge out the door towards the end of these we're getting far longer answers far more fulsome answers from kieran mckenna i mean for example we'll get on to gillingham in, in a minute but you know Previous managers, Paul Cook, others would be, yeah, it's not it's not about the opposition. <clears throat> it's about us, despite the fact that if you spoke about sort of transfers or anything that was in the least bit sort of controversial, they'd sort of say, oh, we've got a game on Saturday, haven't we? You're going to ask me about Gillingham? And then you'd ask about Gillingham and they'd say, well, I'm not. it's not about Gillingham, it's about us. But with Kieran McKenna, he, you know, he sat there and sort of broke down Gillingham, he talked about sort of them, oh, they played four at the back, but they now switched to three at the back and they were man-to-man and now they've gone zonal and went into like real sort of tactical depth about the opposition and just mm. even the way that he dealt with the, the Fraser stuff and, and others just really explains his thinking. And we talked about him being someone that sort of... Uh, shows his working and that that is what he's the, that is what he's doing and I'm I'm really enjoying it and I'm sure that the fans are as well. Hutchie, in your long and lengthy journalistic career, what's who's been the best manager? This is a bit of an aside in terms of press conferences you've really enjoyed talking to. Has there been any or are they always a bit of a kind of necessary ordeal, a dance that neither partner really no. wants to be doing? No, um w- without a shadow of a doubt the best manager I've ever dealt with for that was Paolo Di Canio. Yes. Ab- who uh, also explained his thinking, um, but in a very different way to uh, in a very different way to Kieran McKenna. Like there were different voices. He played different characters. He, he kind of played the angel and devil in his own mind in a conversation. Transcribing it 
absolute nightmare, which is the worst part. <laughs> the, the worst part of this job is transcribing interviews yeah. and writing writing up quotes. He was an yeah. absolute nightmare because he just went off on so many different tangents and so many like there was once he was pretending to drive a. He was talking that the analogy was supposed to be: I want all the players on my bus. I'm the bus driver, and I want all of these players to come with me on the journey. But he like he did the noise when the bus stops and the door opened, like. Get on the bus. And it, was, it just it just got complete. You couldn't transcribe it. And you couldn't, with the medium of kind of print and newspapers, um, which was much more newspaper-based then, hmm. you couldn't kind of get over quite how insane he was. Um, <laughs> but they were they were exceptional, those, those press conferences. Like he once came in, I remember once he came in with a prepared statement because he wanted to slag off Lou Macari. So he just brought it in on a statement and read it out, um, which didn't, and none of it made any sense. So we didn't run it. Um, but yeah, he was, uh, he was something special. There have been some, there have been some rubbish ones along the way though, um, as well. But he will, uh, I doubt he will ever be, I doubt he'll ever be surpassed in my, uh, in my rankings. There are things that I want to do when we have time, maybe in the summer. One is more on Paolo Di Canio, because I think that, People will be fascinated to hear about that period. I know it's not Ipswich Town related, but he's a bit of a, a leg end all round, isn't he, in football? And I, I'd imagine covering a side with him, managing it, would be something of a journey. Uh, and also yep. your 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 top kits. I know people have asked, Nigel's asked in the mailbag bit about your favourite kits. I want to do that properly at some point. So we're not going to tackle that today. Those are the things I want to do in the summer. So people will no doubt be screaming at their, their video or audio, however they're consuming this. Say, so ask Stewie. Which town managers has he enjoyed the most in terms of press conferences? So I'll do that before we get onto mailbag. Um, in in an odd way, the end of days Mick McCarthy oh. era was sort of professionally uh, challenging and enjoyable in equal measure. Those were in the days where the press conferences were kind of broadcast live via Facebook uh, and whatnot, and um, you had to be prepared. For those, I think Mick really sharpened me up as a, as an interviewer. Um, yeah, you 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 put a word out of line, and uh, Mick Mick would be on it. So yeah, from a professional sense, I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but um, <laughs> mate, I remember those days. Better. The way, like when, because they were all done in person as well, weren't you? Weren't yeah. they? And you you left the office, and like other members of staff were like, "Good luck, Stu." Yeah, good luck, Steve. Like, like going, going, going over the, the front line. Yeah, yeah. A little bit on the shoulders for you. You got greeted at the door sometimes on the way back in after uh, by certain other members of of staff. They could none have been pa- none of us. No, they could but, have been pay per view events though, couldn't they? Back in the day, that's what people were watching it for. It was uh, the kind of preamble, and then Watson comes on. Mick grabs a water bottle and throttles it straight away, and then uh, then the show begins. It was tremendous, and yeah, I think. I think from sort of other managers, Paul Jewell, in a way, sometimes was great because you didn't have to work too hard for him to just suddenly give you something completely out of nowhere. Like in pre-season, he would just tell you every player, yep, we've made a bid for Jonathan Woodgate and Matthew Upson and uh, we're speaking to so-and-so and and he would just tell you everything on that front. Hmm. And then, um, yeah. I remember the sort of the, after they they'd lost somewhere, I think it was up at Hull and he was sort of on, on the edge at that stage. And, and that was a throwaway question at the end, you know, do are you thinking about your future? And just, yeah, yeah. I've got to go ahead and think about that. And just, oh, okay. The, the answer is never yes. Yeah. yeah. That's not what you say. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, he he was Paul was hard work at times as well. Um, yeah, we we could. This is another podcast in itself, oh, I'm sure. One hundred percent, friends. One of the let's move on to something. One of the the things I enjoyed most about the tyrannical reign of Kim Jong Stew in the host chair was the return of Mailbag. It was a real trip down memory lane, a bit of retro nostalgia, a right throwback. Um, and so I want to try and incorporate a bit more going forward. So I'm going to do that today. Um, obviously, Hutchie, when Stu was in charge, you were, you were three-line whipped and rather bullied, I would say, into, into singing the jingle. Felt a bit uncomfortable listening-wise. Um, so I would invite you now, friend, if you fancy it, could you please get those dulcet tones out and sing the mailbag jingle? I can't comment on the Stu incident anymore because that's <laughs> it's been sent to HR, that, yeah. um, that side of things. But Just sing you... the fucking jingle. <laughs> Mailbag, mailbag. <laughs> it's time for Mark, Andy, Stewart, and Ross to dip into the mailbag. <laughs> do, do. I'd just like to apologise to listeners who were traumatised by that outburst from Watson. Good Lord, Stewie, we're seeing a different side to you, aren't we, here? Um, right, we've had loads of questions, as you'd expect. Uh, we're not going to have time to do all of them, so we're going to do a mixture, maybe 10, five non-football, five football. Uh, let's start with football. There's been a few questions. Um, there were a few questions about Tyree Simpson. Obviously, we've already talked about that. Ben Moore and FPL Tractor asked about that. There's been a couple of other questions about McCauley Bond. So let's do those. Harvey Davis, Stewie. Harvey Davis. Friend of the show. <laughs> Number three. Four. Possibly. I don't know. Sweet Welsh Prince. I appreciate the Welsh touch as well to that. Um, Stewie. Harvey Davis says, if Bond's goal-scoring record remains pretty much the same for the rest of the season, despite what he offers when he's not scoring, will we be having a conversation about whether to sign him on a permanent, or has he shown enough already for it to be a no-brainer? Discuss. Rossi, I'm going to start with you, because you've not had a chance to say much so far. Um, McCauley Bond is your boy, but put that aside. Be objective here. If Bond continues to struggle to score for the rest of the season, is there an argument around trying to sign him permanently? Mm, I'm very much on the fence here. I think with, right now, the town fans will want him because he's, you know, he's a blue, he's one of our own and all that. But he hasn't really done it as he last 10, 15 games. Um, I'm sure the fee will be maybe lower now. But QPR, if they know which town want them, of course, they're going to you know, raise the fee up more and more. Um, we are in League One next season. Just going to put that out there again. Um, so maybe it is worth, you know, signing permanently. But for the long term in the championship, we are over there, hopefully one day again. Um, I don't think he's going to be the man to lead the line. But um, yeah, why not? Let's sign him up. It's a nice little fairy tale signing it. Sign him permanently. Got Walton permanently. Let's get McCauley Bond permanently. I, I love how Ross's loyalty <laughs> flakes away so very quickly. My, his boys just get just gets ditched. Within seconds, mm. we had it before with with Guion was dead to you so very quickly. McCauley's McCauley the same. Uh, Reese Curtis asked a similar question. So, Stuart Hutchie, do you want to take on the bond? Scenario? Uh, in, in in short, I think was the question: Is it a no brainer to sign him? I, I don't think we're in no brainer territory. It's it will be mm. a there's a decision to be made there. Um, was it one in fifteen? I was just having a look at yeah. his one in fifteen stats now. It will come down to. I think it's something that I think they'll they'll still like to do, but it will have to be at the the right deal. Um, so we'll, we'll see. There's Any other thoughts? moving parts as well. Um, obviously, James Norwood's a moving part in it all, and his in his contract. Um, 
I don't know if you keep both. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I would still sign Macaulay Bond, um, but at the right the right deal. Mm. But I'd also quite like him not to not to be signed as kind of the Scott Fraser style main man. Uh, have Macaulay Bond as maybe someone comes in above Macaulay Bond in the pecking order, and Macaulay Bond comes an excellent an excellent sort of rotational striker. Who knows? But I'm, I'm How does still... Macaulay Bond feel about that, though, if oh, that's the that's, vibe that yeah. he's getting going into the summer? That's a real test of his yep. love of the badge, which is un- unquestionable, but also his love of playing football and someone that's had spells where he was very frustrated at, at Charlton and QPR for, for not getting as much game time as he wants. He's had a taste of it again. Now, if he's getting the the, the feeling that there's a, there's a main man being coming in ahead of him that McKenna really likes, then it might not appeal as much to him as well. So this is a really difficult one, isn't it? Because there's there's not normally this emotion involved in these in these transfers. It's, a, it's some different factors in the mix that they're all going to have to work through in the summer. Mm. Do you think if Town are still in League One next season, which is looking like they probably will be, is that going to be a big, big impact? Because obviously at the moment, McCauley Bond is, is with a championship side. As a player, you'd expect him to want to play at the highest level. Does that tip the balance as well? Do you think? I still think they could sign him in league. Yeah. I, I think they could sign him in, in League One. I really do. I, I, I don't think it. I don't think there are championship clubs going to be falling over. We're talking about if the goal scoring record continues as it is, right? Which yeah. means yeah, yeah. he'll score. Which means he might score one goal between now and the end of the season. Hmm. I think he will score more goals than that. But, but I don't. Um, I don't think there's going to be championship clubs absolutely gagging for him. I think they could sign him in League One. But but as we've just discussed, there are plenty of other moving parts, factors, emotions, opinions all, all in there. So I think it's um what was once a, a cut and dried splash the cash deal is is not that no brainer anymore. Okay, let's move on. Uh Mullet, my fighty friend Mullet, um asked a kind of behind the scenes question which I like. So Stewie, I'll put this one to you. How has your job changed since the takeover? Is there a marked difference in the way things are done at town now, as far as you're concerned? Obviously, we talked a little bit there about the press conference, but on a wider sphere, does it feel different to the kind of Evans era from your point of view? Um, <coughs> there's obviously been more transparency from from the club, sort of dealing with the the, the upper ends of, of the club. We've obviously had several of the the owners doing doing interviews. Just being visible. Mark Ashton has, has been uh, far more contactable and, and easier to deal with than, uh, or accessible, I should say, than than obviously the sort of during the Evans era. So that that side of things changed, but the rest of the job hasn't hasn't altered a, a huge amount. Obviously, just having a few more, well just having a lot more to report on in general the last year from the takeover onwards with all of the transfers and everything. We talked about sort of transfer deadline day normally being a, a damp squib and we've had a couple of very exciting transfer windows now. So that, that gives us more content to work with. But much of the job is, is still the same, I would say, Andy, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd, I would agree with that. There's just there's just different different people in, in different roles who are um, who are maybe a bit more just a bit more accessible a bit more a bit more open which comes i guess from from ownership and they've they all spoke about the club needing to be that way and um like for example there's a there's a new head of head of media in there i wouldn't it, uh, it an awful lot hasn't changed but there's there's really good dialogue there and um 
an openness, willing to willing to talk, willing to talk about things. It's um, it's just new people um, with a few new ideas, but nothing um, nothing that nothing that's that's changed dramatically. I wouldn't say. And Marcus owns a pug, doesn't he? So he's all right by me. He has got. Um, a, he's got a lovely little dog. I've, uh, I've Mar- Marcus Nash is the new the new head of media. I've I've bumped into him walking the dog late late at night. Um, he's a lovely little dog. So you you like him for that, don't you? It's Leah. I mean, a pug is obviously on the bulldog scale of breed. Uh, any kind of flat faced bull breed dogs all right by me. And I like pugs. Um, <clears throat> right then, I'm the going to ask you all. The the... Exactly. I'm going to ask you all the next question because it's a good one. I'm going to start with you, Rossi. Christopher Day, in terms of a peek behind the curtain sort of thing. Out of all the games you've been to reporting as a journalist, photojournalist, Rossi, in your in your case, which one do you wish you could have been on the terraces with the fans for rather than behind laptops or a camera? Well, there's not been many, to be honest. <laughs> <'Cause>, uh, <laughs> Paul Lambert, Paul Cook. Um, yeah. Hmm, possibly, I think, you know, the Portsmouth game, That would, although I was pretty much with the fans anyway, even the Wickham game, so they don't actually count. I was sort of there anyway. Um, it's to be fair, there's not many to be honest. Hmm. I have to admit, it's just been, you, it's been you do a... still get a taste of being with the fans, don't you? Because you're yeah, right next I mean. to them. That's that's your kind of yeah. your role is to is to capture the fans' emotion yeah. during the game. A bit different for you, boys. Obviously, you're up on press row with your laptop and your fingers freezing, stretching them out and all that. Um, Hutchie, uh, obviously, you've covered more than just Ipswich Town. I know Stu's covered Colchester as well. Is there a game, um, not necessarily Ipswich Town, a game that sticks sticks out for you? You think, oh, I wish mm-hmm. I was here as a just as a, a paying punter. Late goals are okay. always when I when I when I kind of have that that feeling. Um, maybe maybe Macaulay Bonds equaliser against Morecambe on the opening day that that in in stoppage time there. It's all all about late goals. Um, tell you what though, MK Dons in a week or so's time with seven thousand away fans at a, yeah. a game is going to be because uh, we'll be right down the other end from that as well from where the away fans are. That's that, that's one I'd kind of maybe slap the press bench right in the middle of. Um, 7,000 Ipswich fans rather than a couple of empty empty blocks of MK Don's seating. But um, yeah, whenever there's whenever there's a late a late goal, late win, a late equaliser, that's that's when I wish I was in the stands and not not having to write about it. Would you actually famously a flat line, not particularly excitable individual? Uh, does Hutchie go much more than a, a fist pump when you celebrate, or do you really give it give it some? Can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, yeah, I can't remember. I haven't, I haven't been to a football match where I, I tell you what, I did go. I went to watch, um, in my in my bid to start enjoying some football. I've got no allegiance to Manchester United, but I went to watch Man United play Atalanta in the in the Champions League earlier this season, and Ronaldo scored a stoppage time with winner. I got quite excited by that because um, that was just in the moment and fun. This is the first. This you is the first gave it a little Tim Henman. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Tiger Tim, the worst, least academic yeah, name. So in that was good. Um, mate, why is this the first I've heard of this? You're going to watch Man United and seeing Ronaldo score. You've never mentioned this to me. D- wow. Just hidden not- hidden gems turn- in it. Se- turn- secrets. Turn- turns out we're not really mates, doesn't it? Um, Stewie. Didn't mention it. <laughs> I've also Stewie, been to about- watch West Ham play Leicester, if you're interested. They won oh. 4-1 and went top of the league. I sang I'm forever blowing bubbles with my friend Joe. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Stewie, you've you've got a, a more than a decade under your belt of watching town. Uh, you covered Colchester before that. Are there any games that stand out that you'd have liked to be on the terraces for? As Andy says, last minute winners. I think Chaplow at Watford, Noel mm. Hunt at Charlton. They would have been moments that you'd you'd have liked to have been in the away end. 
I think there was there are times where I see people sort of, especially the London games, sort of maybe traveling after work, having a few beers and thinking, yeah, I wouldn't mind sort of enjoying it like this. Fulham, when you see something, there were some great boat parties. Yeah. I, I would see this sort of boat noise and people sliding along the deck covered in beer and stuff and thinking that that looks quite fun rather than sort of walking in with my my press pass but old trafford those sort of big games where you know there's not been many but going to going to old trafford as as a as a supporter and and those sort of occasions as well so yeah it would be nice i think um, andy and i talk about it quite a lot it's important for us to kind of keep keep sort of fresh as, as fans, as people who, who enjoy the game as well as it, it being work as well. So, hmm. um, yeah. I want to see Watson on the party boat. Uh, we need a KOA behind the scenes video. Watson doing the beer slide on that party boat at Fulham at some point. Um, I'd fully endorse <laughs> that as your pregame as well. You then have to cover the game. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right then, back to football. Richard Lee, how many points do you think ITFC will have to get to get to sixth or above? Um, and he also says, as it's Stu's turn now for the lucky charm, what's he going to go for? Or, or is it up to Andy? So in terms of points total, Hutchie, I think we speculated before, haven't we? Is it 75 we've kind of over said 10 roughly? Years, over, 10, over 10 years on average, seven, 73 should nick you sixth. 73? Okay. Yeah. Um, but I've got a feeling it might be a bit more than that this year. It's all a bit spread out up there. I think... Um, I think they might need in in excess of that, but that that's just for sixth. That's just to sneak sixth place and get into the playoffs. So you, you'd think seventy five, seventy six is what they'll is what they'll need. So well, they're what, at the moment two, two points a game now over the last seventeen, which is obviously mm. what McKenna's done so far with four four wins, two defeats from six. It's an average of two two points a game. So they need to replicate what has already been a very good run of form. Mm. They need to replicate that over seventeen more now. Um, big ask. Yeah, I'd also, I'd also argue that because of the way that things look at the top, I think those wins would have to come in some of the right games as well, because um, they've obviously got a fair amount of those up there. Yeah, in the in the battle to sixth, still still to play. Um, they 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 could do with winning some of the the right ones as well as winning ones like this weekend as well. Well, MK Dons away is obviously massive, isn't it? They're, they're yeah. up there. And, and then I look at that run at the back end of March. Um, Portsmouth, Oxford, Plymouth uh, in successive games. And they're all teams that are kind of in that little battle for fifth, sixth spot. So um, that they need to be sort of in, in the hunt still come the end of March. And then we'll see what happens. Stu, are you going to take a, the lucky thing mantle on? Have you got something you're going to include? You can't you force this. I don't. I don't think that. I don't think the the trainer streak has has ended. As I say, I don't I think. think they, and I think Andy didn't deploy them correctly last weekend. I think there's definitely an argument there, um, and I assume would you be deploying them this weekend, Hutchie? Just so we can not, see. Not out, not out of duty, but they are Just, they are my they are my shoes. Like your go to. This this was no gimmick. I I I, I bought those shoes. And wore them because because I like them. Um, they are my shoes. They have not been they have not been <laughs> they have not been replaced. Um, but but I think they're I, I think they've done their job. It's 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 time to let's not focus on them anymore. Let's move on. Let them let the team do the business now. They've I done, just they've feel like we've been left with some some doubts. I don't think there's been a natural closure to this. I, I also want to know when the the uh, the Monsters Inc. ones are going to come out because you've got to have them big game well 
I'll I'll wear the monster next time we see each other not over a laptop. I will I'll wear the Monsters Inc. ones, and you can you can tell me what you think. Stu, on your point there, um, the American football fans amongst us will have seen Tom Brady uh, retire this week on the back of a uh, an, a very very good performance on the back of a season where he could have been the MVP of the NFL. Mm. Had he carried on and fallen off a cliff, and his talents diminished. Though Tom Brady would not be remembered in the way that he is. Let the shoes retire at their own time when they're ready at the peak of their powers. They haven't gone out on a high, have they? That's the point. They've gone out on their terms. Okay. <laughs> Stu, very quickly, another peek behind the curtain question. We can take this one very quickly. James Houston says, not James Houston, Jacob Moran says, what's Stuart Watson's cover photo about? It's always baffled me. On Twitter, you've got a very arty, cover photo which is you kind of doing what looks like a bicycle kick silhouetted against the sun just very quickly clear that up uh that's me doing, yeah, yeah do, doing a bicycle kick on the beach down in cornwall um i just thought it was a nice arty picture and it, and it fitted the the sort of stretched landscape size <laughs> that's it there's, no, there's nothing more behind thought, it, and I've never changed a, it. Like my profile during, picture has never I changed. It, I thought it was during a special moment in your life. Was that not around when you got married? Or, or no? Have I made that? Yeah, up? Yeah, well, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Memory. Excellent memory. Um, right then, James Houston wants to know what's everyone's highlight from their own footballing or sporting careers. Rossi, we know that you were once were better than Macaulay Bond as a fourteen-year-old, <laughs> scored, scored twenty-five goals, and that's where your season peaked. Your your football life peaked. Is that going to be the highlight of your your sporting career, such as it is? Probably, yeah. Age 14, 25 goals in a season. We won the league and cup, so league and cup double. Um, and then, yeah, after that, pretty much shit, to be fair. Uh, girls, drink and all that. <laughs> it's ruined, ruined many a good footballer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably not from the age of 14, though. Um, no. Hutchie, your sporting career, where did that peak? Any of you ever been world ranked at a sport? No. Competed in a world championship? No, right. this is very good. I, I finished 57th in the World Crazy Golf um, Championship, which um, world ranking, world championship level, elite sport, yeah. all, achieve, all achieved using a, a putter borrowed from the hut, which was very much in odd, at odds with the rest of their, the rest of the professionals approach to the, to the big tournament. So this yeah, is, that's that's me. That is pretty impressive, to be fair. Um, Thanks very any, much. Any of us can say we've been a, a world ranked in an, any sport. Um, again, another one for the Hutchie archives when we have this Hutchie special. Stewie, um, you were a footballer of note. Where did, <laughs> where, did, where, did your, where did your career peak? I don't know where you've got this <laughs> this idea from. Um, On a semi-serious note, probably going from from mid Essex Division Five with a with a team of my mates who started up as a reserve side for Braintree and Bocking. We went all the way up through the divisions, all the way up to Division One. We won a cup final as well, played on Molden's pitch. That was that was good fun. Before I started um, this gig, doing I think doing stuff like that with your mates is the best. I just remember the dressing room banter and just that that's the thing I miss most about playing football as much as actually playing the game. Um, more recently would probably have been my crossfield volley over in Germany when we played in that, that pre-season staff game that had Luke Chambers and Co. purring 
on the sidelines. That day was famously a disappointment for Ross, wasn't it? Do you remember? He was, he, he came came off really upset because he didn't get to play with the first team. <laughs> <laughs> it was his birthday as well, wasn't it? Yeah. We said to him afterwards, amazing, mate. On your birthday, you've just played football in front of the Ipswich Town squad. He went, yeah. Would have been better if we was with the first team. I don't know yeah. if he thought he was going to get a contract or something. <laughs> I did once score 25 goals in a season. Uh, <laughs> and you wait, in two years' time, Ipswich are going to sign this striker called Macaulay Bon. I was better than him at 14. <laughs> I'm also uh, somewhat maybe surprised, boys, that neither of you mentioned playing at Portman Road, as you did uh, in that in that game. And and Hutchie got twisted blood, trademark Stuart Watson. From one of the, the footy freestyles, I remember that was that was pretty uh, cool, yeah. though, wasn't it? Yeah, I also dispossessed one of the biggest names in the only way is Essex as well. So yeah, ups and downs. I've got the shirt from that game on my wall with a nice picture of me and uh, me, Stu, and Dan Dan Palfrey, who uh, works at the football club, just walking off walking off the pitch. Nice. Uh, me personally, I would say having a scrap under the arches in the East End, a famous gym called the KO Gym uh, in London, which is one of the most famous Muay Thai gyms in the country. Um, Fighting in the East End, good. Uh, cornering a friend at the O2, that was good. Uh, and from um, a kind of more youthful side of things, basketball was my sport when I was a kid. Uh, and playing university basketball at Loughborough, against Loughborough. Everyone knows Loughborough are an elite university, sporting-wise. That was a hell of an experience because they were unbelievable. Who did you corner at the O2? And did, did, you, did, you, um, did you have to hold the spit bucket? Uh, I, held, I held the, um, the bag of ice. Nice. Put on the back, back of his neck. His friend's, Paul, uh, friend's name was Paul. Um, and he, Did he, and he win? Lost. No, he lost, unfortunately. But oh. um, it, it was a good experience, uh, and one that not many people can say they've, they've done. And, and there's, yeah, anyway, oh, I'm not going to get too deep into it, but it pretty special thing. Um, right then, we've got three more questions, boys. One football, two non-football. Which do you want first? Non-football, always. Non-football. Right then, Mark Beck, member of the KOA fan social posse. I'm going to come to Rossi here first because I reckon he might have a view on this. Your choice is final and the other will no longer exist. Pack of donuts, custard or jam? Your move. Jam. I don't mind custard. I think custard's more for, you know, desserts. I think, I don't know, in, in donuts, not for me. But so strawberry jam, whatever. Strawberry jam. Watson. Um, controversially, I'm, I'm not bothered about the donuts. They can, they can all go. Um, I prefer a muffin, a cookie, a biscuit. Just think donuts. I'm going to say it. I think they're overrated. I think they're a bit stodgy. I always feel a bit, a bit sort of disappointed in myself after I've just finished a donut. So I can't, I can't argue either cause. Okay, donuts are gone. Hachi, what do you reckon? There's nothing to talk about now. He's just got rid of them. (laughs) Uh, Jam, jam all the way. I would throw another contender into the mix, though. When when we were in Japan, here we go. Uh, they on the I, I bought a uh, a curry donut. What? Which had like a sweet a sweet kind of curry filling to it. It was amazing. That sounds that sounds like an absolute disgrace. Oh, mate, it was amazing. It was really really <laughs> nice. But otherwise, raspberry jam. Yeah, I'd go raspberry jam. I'd also really want to try one day. You see, in America, where they have um, burgers, where they use donuts as the bun is that good i think it would be i think it'd work on the same principle as the old uh, maple syrup and bacon sort of vibe you know the sweet and the uh slightly salty and savory it's i'm i'm 
I'm here for it. I'll have a go at it. Right then, one more football question, and then what we'll finish with it. What I think is one of the best questions you've been asked. View from the U2, Matt Bono, the man with about 13 different names, also a member of the KOA Fan Social Posse. He says, good moaning. As a prospect of making the top six is slowly slipping away, is there a moment from earlier on in the campaign which you think might have proved pivotal in defining our season? Stewie. Um, I'd have to come in those first, what, eight games? Um, maybe Macaulay Bond not missing that sitter at Cheltenham off mm-hmm. the top of my head. Fraser's goal penalty being scored at Burton, I would say in those two games, if either of those sort of moments had turned the other way, then then a different direction of travel may have may have happened. Hmm. Archie, any any to throw into the mix? Nah, nothing beyond that. It all goes everything everything we talk about every week on this podcast is is goes back to that start to the season. If they'd started that, even just av- an average start to the season, this would all be so different right now. So it's got to be. It's got to be moments in there. It's got to be. It's got Fraser's penalty miss. It's got to be Macaulay Bond not just missing that chance, but then the way that they conceded the the two second half goals at Cheltenham, losing losing the lead twice at home to an MK Dons team that's that's now above them. Um, mm. Yeah, it's uh, it, it all goes back to the start. But even conceding, letting a two goal lead slip against Wimbledon at home towards the end of that run, there were there were chances to kind of rectify those moments that we've we've just talked about and, and it didn't happen as well. So two gold leads slipped at Cambridge as well. There's, there's plenty you can go back to. Too many, if anything. Right then, final question of Mailbag. And I have enjoyed this trip down memory lane. And as I say, we will return to it. This might be the best question I think we've ever had on Mailbag. Jack wants to know, you have to fight Mike Tyson. He's anywhere between the ages of 1 to 18. And if you win you get a million pounds for each year that he's been alive. What age do you pick? This is a brilliant question, right? Mike Tyson. So you okay. pick age for Mike Tyson. Bear in mind, Mike Tyson started boxing when he was 13. Um, he was basically a killer from the age of 13 onwards. He was knocking people out, knocking grown men out from that age, uh, inspiring, knocking people out for fun in the Junior Olympics, turned pro when he was 18 and won the world title when he was 21. Um, Mike Tyson was essentially fully grown when he was 13 as well. He was, you know, what he is now, five foot 10 and 220 pounds of muscle. Um, so I reckon it's up to you how you answer this, boys. But um, I would say anywhere from the age of 13 onwards, Mike Tyson would kill all of us inside a round. Um, if we're talking purely boxing, which I suppose we have to be in terms of a fight. Um, Stewie, you're a hard nut. When would you... <laughs> he's not he's really not he's not a world-class football player he's not a hard nut you've completely pegged this man wrong when would you when would you like to beat up mike tyson what age would you pick uh i'm not gonna be greedy it's a lot of money on the table here Uh, eight just i just i'll just give an eight-year-old mike tyson a real pasting take my eight million pounds and go i mean you don't want to go younger either because i'm not going to beat up a toddler that's you know that's not going to happen i mean i suppose decking an eight-year-old is is marginally better but by that point people know that mike tyson the sort of character he is so i think i'd be given a bit of leeway so um eight is my answer Okay, eight-year-old Mike Tyson. Um, Rossi, you famously told us on our night out in London you're a right scrapper. 
We'll have a go with anyone who they try and take your phone. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're scrapping. Yeah. And then they're actually fighting. Yeah. Um, what age what age would you take on Mike Tyson? I just want a million pounds, so one year yeah. age. <laughs> yeah. Just pick him up and kick him over a fence. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> dear, oh dear, there we go. Go <laughs> playing it very safe there. Yeah. Um Hutchie? Um I've, I had six in my head. Um, it's just, again, I, I, I'm not the ca- the cash isn't the issue. I, yeah. I there's a hard line in the sand that they must be a primary school child at least before I do this. I'm not I'm not doing it to a nursery child. Um, I've got a nephew who is about to turn six, and I could definitely beat him up. So I wouldn't. I love him. Um, yeah. But Mike Tyson, <laughs> don't even know the lad. I, I'd, I'd have him in and out at six. Are yeah. you going to say 13, Mark? Are no, gonna... God, good Lord, no. No, no. You've got to go higher, though. You've got to be the highest. Lower. I think any any time from around 10 onwards is a bit of a risk, I've got to be honest. Um, because he was not your average child. Uh, clearly, for not punch phenomenally hard. And that's something you don't learn. You just have naturally. Um, so you I could take any... a 10-year-old Mike Tyson. I'm not saying I could, to be honest. Um, I mean, clearly, it depends what sort of fight it is. Is is it an MMA fight? Is it a, a kickboxing Muay Thai fight? Is just it just a, a straight, a straight just fight? A fight. Any, well, as I say, I think any time from 12, 13 onwards, you would be that would be suicide. So I'm, I'd probably say 10. Just to reflect, gents, we are currently getting paid to talk about what age we'd beat up a child at. But we would all <laughs> like to make it very clear that we wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. <clears throat> Of course, absolutely. It's not to be encouraged. Right then, friends, let's move on, shall we, to Gillingham. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks thanks for mailbag this week. I enjoyed it, uh, especially that last question. Um, Gillingham this weekend, Rossi, I'm going to come to you. Up until recently, Gillingham have been absolute whipping boys, a bit like me fighting a 13-year-old Mike Tyson. Um, you spoke to uh, Gil, Gills in the Blood, the podcast this week, didn't you, to get a little insight. Um, they've got a former Ipswich Town managerial candidate now in charge, Neil Harris. He's had an instant impact. They've actually won a game. Um, give us a little insight then into, into what you were told from your friend over at Gillingham. Well, they, they finally won a game of football. Um, the first time since, I think, October. Um, and they've won four games all season. So uh, I think they're a little bit happier. Um, I think it's um, a good appointment for Gillingham. I think a lot of Gillingham fans are happy with Neil Harris getting a point. There's going to be a few going on. Neil Harris, not very exciting, but um, they're playing a different system, as Stu said earlier. Um, it will be a different game, of course, from the, the game at Gillingham. Um, I'm sure we won't be, well, hopefully we can be freeing it up inside 15 minutes, but I don't think that will be the case in this one. Mm. Um, he says he seems more organised. Of course, Cole Dempsey's left now. He's, he's joined Bolton, brought in Ben Thompson from Millwall, but apparently Cole Dempsey hasn't been out of this season. Um, they've had injuries, you know, but Dean Oliver last year was there go-to striker. He's been in and out of injuries. His wife had had a baby, um, so he's really been in and out. But um, he just said they seem more organised, a bit more confidence. They know it's not going to be easy going to Portman Road, but it will be a different side. Uh, they've got a different goalie in goal. Uh, got new defender. Um, so it should be a different game. Um, but no, that, I think a little bit more happy at Gillingham after finally winning a game. Mm. Stuart, is there a danger going into this game that Town are going to be too confident? There's going to be uh, certainly the fans are going to expect quite a big win, um, given what happened before and, and Gillingham's form generally before Harris has come in. Yeah, I think dealing with expectation is, is going to be a real sort of test of character. There's no mm. getting away from it. I think the majority of people who turn up 
at Portman Road will, will be expecting and demanding a win. Ipswich need to win games of football and, and they've beaten Gillingham 4-0 not that long ago. Gillingham conceded seven goals at home to Oxford last weekend. Kieran McKenna was was quick to stress that, that neither of those results have, well, zero relevance, he says, because a lot has changed since last weekend, let alone back at the start of January. But but I'd argue there is still some relevance. I know you get the new manager bounce. I think Neil, Neil Harris is is a very good appointment for a club in, in their position. But it's still, you know, a couple of signings aside, it's still the bulk of those players that, as Ross says, have won four games all season and three of those have been against teams in the relegation zone. Um, Ipswich won't lose that game. I'll stick my, this game. I'll stick my neck very firmly on the line there. It's just whether Gillingham can be organised and battling enough to kind of scrap their way to a point and whether Ipswich can whether it's which is patience and, and quality mm. ultimately shows. I think it will. Hutchie, your thoughts? I think Gillingham should be absolutely ecstatic to have somebody like Neil Harris as their manager. I'm a bit perplexed as to why he's taken that job. Um, uh, I think clearly, clearly he wanted the Ipswich job. He was someone that was interviewed for that, but I would mm. be, uh, I'm, a, I'm a little bit surprised he's taken this. Um, but yeah, that. These wins are kind of non non negotiable, really. If if we're talking about genuinely making the playoffs, we need we need to see Ipswich take four points out of every six that they they play for. And you're playing teams like Gillingham and Doncaster back to back. It's getting to the point where they're kind of non negotiable. You need to find a way. I don't think they'll blow Gillingham away. It's not. I don't think it's going to be a, a repeat of the previous game. And I think that's where McKenna's coming from in terms of the, the zero zero relevance of it but it's mm. largely the same players um there is a relevance i don't think they'll blow them away but i do think they'll 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 get the win and they do need to do that because there's some harder games down the road and if you don't win this game then you're putting so much pressure on having to win at mk dons mm. i'd argue you probably have to win at mk dons anyway but you could you could leave there with a point and still be kind of happy with where you're at if you've taken six points from these two mm. Did you... I think sorry the, the new manager bounce thing. I think it's it's good that Ipswich are playing them in their second game. I think uh, I think back to like when Mick McCarthy came in at Ipswich and Ipswich went and ground out a one 0 win at Birmingham. And I think the next game they got absolutely done by was it Palace the next game five 0 or it might was it there was a Leicester six one in there. But the second game was a a real back down to earth. And I think adrenaline can kind of get you through. And it's one thing sort of grinding, protecting a 1-0 lead against Crewe at home. It's it's another thing coming to Portman Road on, on Saturday. And uh, if Ipswich can get an early goal, I think any any concerns about this this game will kind of dissipate quite quickly. So hopefully they can, they can do that. Hmm. Rossi, did, did your friend at, at Gills in the Blood highlight any players that town fans should be should be on the lookout for? Obviously, go and watch that video if you've not, because it's, it's always a good watch to meet the opposition. But give us a little insight. <sighs> Not really. <laughs> um, I think they're, they're just a team lacking confidence. I think they're I'm sure they're all going to try to impress their new manager. I know Stuart O'Keefe, who was at Town's Academy, is now their captain. Um, so he will be leading, chilling them out. I'm sure he'll be wanting to, I want to say, prove points. He left us many, many years ago and he, he's played in the championship. But um, he'll be one. I think Ben Thompson, of course, he just signed from Millwall. Um, I'm sure he'll 
be making his debut. Um, they've got Connor Ma- Masterson, I think his name is, probably completely butchered Mas- that completely. Masterson, yeah. That's the one. Um, of course, he was at Cambridge earlier in the season. He's now signed permanently. And as I said, they've got a new goalie or they've got, they'll be playing someone else in goal that, you know, because Cummings has gone to MK Dons, who was at Chelsea. So, um, and I think Mustafa Carriel, of course, formerly at town, unfortunately came off injured in the crew game. So he probably won't feature, but mm, I think it's a really be... bad head injury, I think. Yeah. Is it? So, Sounds it. So, yeah, not, not good for him, you know, wish, wish him all the best. But, um, you know, as I said, Vadim Oliver will be maybe there, there for up front. Um, but you just, just never know when these sort of teams come to town. They could just throw out anything. It's, mm. it's the dealing without Sam Morsi issue again for Ipswich, isn't it? Um, you know, it's almost like, yeah, we missed him massively at Hillsborough, but we'll, we'll be fine without him against Gillingham and Doncaster. But it's not a given. I think he changes the dynamic of the side massively when he's when he's in it and when he's not in it. Lee Evans is going to be a, a, a very late fitness call by the sounds of things. So if it is... Two out of Backinson, Carroll, El Mazzuni. Have Ipswich got the sort of the the, uh, the necessary sort of grit and midfield drive and just just balance in midfield to kind of uh, get through these these games. Hmm. Interesting, Hotchy. You know where we have got to go now. We talk about a game that Town are about to play. Yeah. Get that get that money out, boy. Yeah. Um, You've just won six million pounds off off beating up six year old Mike Tyson, so you can <laughs> stick that in the pot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, where are we going with this and, and how much is in the pot? How are we doing? Uh, there's 925 grand in the pot. Um, I lost last weekend because um, uh, I put <clears throat> 25 grand on Wes Burns to score first in a one-all draw. So that that was beaten. But I'm on ni- 925 grand. But I've got quite a clear idea in my head of how I think this game is going to go. Um, I think Gillingham are going to... Gillingham are going to take the lead in this game. Ipswich are going to grind an equaliser. And when they get that equaliser, they'll completely break Gillingham's spirit in the manner that Stu's kind of just suggested that an early goal might um, and then go on to win 3-1. So my bet is £75,000 at 8-1 to on simply Ipswich to come from behind and win this game, uh, which will return £675,000 pounds that's uh that's what i'm betting this weekend so just repeat for town to come from behind and 75 win grand yep come from behind win the game eight to one 75 grand very very interesting It'd be very interesting to see what happens if Gillingham take the lead at portman road tomorrow won't it um yeah okay then um prediction time then you're saying uh, town are going to win obviously hutch you could, are you prepared to put a a score on that uh yeah three three one three one um, Stewie, what are you saying? Um, 2-0. 2 Roscoe? I was going to say that too, 2-0. We'll come up with a different one then. Come up with a different score. 6-0, 8-0. <laughs> uh, we're going to lose. Uh, <laughs> season's dead. 2-1, uh, why not? Julian will score a goal. They won't take the lead. We'll be 2-0 up and they'll just score a, a late goal just to sort of, you know, here we go. Okay. So we've got 3-1, 2-0, 2-1. I'm saying 7-0. Um, and there we go. We've we reached the end of another podcast, friends. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, chaps, any other business before I do my usual shambolic outro? 
Um, I would I would say in, t- in terms of team selection, we've seen the sort of the front three rotated quite a bit. I'd be going back to the Bash brothers this weekend. I want to see mm. Norwood and Bon up front with with Sonny Aluko providing the bit of the the coolness in behind. Those were the three that played at Priestfield when Ipswich won four nil. So for that reason, that that would be the front three I'd be going with this weekend. Very remiss of me not to mention team selection. Um, what do you do on? Do you stick with Dominic Thompson on the left, Hutchie? Um, Penny's obviously um, available. Kane, Vincent Young back on the grass and available. I, I think Thompson was signed to play. So, uh, so yeah. Okay. So generally unchanged apart from that front three we just talked about. All right then. Um, any other business, chaps? No, no other business. No other business. Okay. Just leave me then to remind you, please to support our sponsors, Manscaped. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on all that excellent clobber there. Also, follow us across all our social medias, Kings of Anger on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and the other one, which I've forgotten about, Twitter. Um, and also leave us a five-star review on iTunes because it helps us greatly visibility-wise in the charts. It means more people can see us. Um, that's been the show this week. We've talked about Kieran McKenna. We've had some good fun with Mailbag, including which age we could beat up Mike Tyson at. And we've also predicted a win for town against Gillingham. Let's hope we're right. Have a great weekend. And we'll speak to you again next week, friends. to football, Brexit to Oakville. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.